These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve, most recently by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Hi, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Munson Savings Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here's your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's a recovering entrepreneur and consultant to small businesses and nonprofit organizations. Here is Tom Fox. Thanks a lot, Chris. We're fortunate enough today to have Paul Silver and Kelly Minton from Innovation Accelerate on to tell us a little bit about how they're helping nonprofits through COVID-19. And I'm excited because as someone who's seen the program in action, uh, I've seen a lot of the benefits that you've brought to nonprofits. And I'm excited to hear a little bit more about how you've iterated to, to really meet the need. We got a lot from, from the unofficial totals, not, uh, Western Mass is the nonprofit capital of the universe. So, so we, you know, the more support we can get for that, for that sector um, is always needed. So thank you very much for coming on, Paul and Kelly. Uh, and looking forward to hear a little bit more about the Innovation Accelerator and what you folks are doing. So, hello. Terrific. Well, Tom, thank you so much uh, for having us here today. Just a little overview, a little elevator pitch of who we are and what we do. Um, Innovation Accelerator trains nonprofits to innovate and adapt at our core. We uh, teach the skills that are leveraged by the National Science Foundation and by leaders of Silicon Valley. Our students students learn and um, come up with bold new ideas, and then they rapidly prototype those ideas to deploy successful programs. So I'm gonna uh, let's 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 rapidly prototype. So for someone who is in a nonprofit for 17 years, if you would say rapidly prototype to me, I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? So we're building new stuff. Well, you know what's what's interesting is to your point is and I think we uh, my nonprofit fell into it a little bit is we were we weren't necessarily that innovative because we felt sometimes there were a lot of con- constrictions to do so. But the truth is is that that's not necessarily the case. So it's good to have guides that can say, well, hey, you may be looking at it this way, but here's a new way to look at it. And through your process and some of the people you bring together too, it's, it's not just you folks, you bring together a wide you know, host of people who can lend support, be a sounding board and open some doors, quite frankly, which, you know, listen, people fall in love with the ideas that come out of the accelerator because, you know, people are poking and prodding at them. Their, their people are open to feedback. And as someone who appreciates leadership, feedback's a, a critical thing and it's tough. And as Paul, I'll steal a line from you from the old Valley Venture Mentors days. Yeah. Um, I, I say this in a lot of my trainings. Listen, I think it's cool sometimes when people tell you your baby's ugly. Sometimes you need to hear it. <laughs> well, <laughs> and Paul, you can probably explain that to people because Tom's going around telling people I got baby, ugly babies. That can't be right. I believe we call it lovingly critical at night. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Tom couldn't agree with what you said more. Uh, thank you for having us on the show. Um, you know, in the nonprofit sector, most of the players are in very mature industries and they're funded by very conservative funders. And so there's not a lot of um, pressure for them to improve beyond the the drive that all the people in the sector have to do more good and they would love to do more good, but all the external forces are arrayed against them to make it high friction and hard to do. But of course, really great nonprofits figure out how to innovate anyway. And for years we've had uh, the joy of working with some of the most innovative nonprofits in the region. But you know, in March, everybody had no choice, but to learn to start innovating. 
Um, you know, we have now spoken with dozens of nonprofits <laughs> over the course of the past couple months and trying to help learn what their problems are. And it's been shocking. No matter what kind of nonprofit it was, the problems were overwhelmingly the same. And it boiled down, you know, costs are way up because they got to do social distancing and they've, they're used to working a certain way and they can't work that way. And oh, by the way, we don't do this program anymore because we're not allowed to do this program anymore. So the government stopped paying us. So we don't, we no longer have any revenue. So just been huge problems for the sector and they have no choice uh, but to innovate. And that's been hard for a lot of them, but we've also seen some people really rise to the challenge. It's been exciting to see. So, so when you say innovate, um, I'll give an example from my previous life. So I was involved in a uh, national nonprofit and we had gotten subsidies. We used to get subsidies from the financial uh, sector. We were the only business in that industry to actually give a percentage of that back to customers, which gave us droves of clients because, hey, they're giving us a percentage of money back for money we're using to pay our bills and things like that. It, no one else did it. No one else thought to do it. No one, you know, no one saw the impact of it until someone said, hey, listen, why don't we do that? And then once the, 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 the normal voices calm down, well, you can't do that. Why? <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know why, because we never did it before. Okay, but that's not a really good reason, you know, because things change and, and, and funders change too. I mean, I know you've worked with folks like the Beverage Foundation who, who are really looking at new ways to really create sustainability and, and growth in the nonprofit sector. Because listen, listen, I'll tell you just a quick story. What I love is years and years and years ago, we had the tornado. And Square One, a nonprofit I used to serve on the board, they lost three facilities. Their team was up and running in three days to serve 1,500 kids with childcare because they had a really good team. There was no turnover. They had passion. I want to fund those people all day long because they can get the job done. And if you help a nonprofit like that, like you, your work, help get that, that genesis of good people in there and get them on the right path, you can really unleash a lot of potential inside of a nonprofit to continue the good work that they're doing. Absolutely. Kelly, I'm reminded of uh, some of the adaptations that say Pathlight made. You want to share that story? Yeah. Just, just um, so more Pathlight. Examples of things that have happened. Sorry, go ahead. Pathlight was one of the first customers that uh, Innovation Accelerator worked with, and um, you know they had a they had a curriculum uh, that they brought into the accelerator. They had this idea, um, had this curriculum for a sex a sex, a sex education course uh, that was designed to help with people with intellectual uh, disabilities and autism skills build and maintain healthy relationships throughout their lives. So they brought this idea into the uh, accelerator and we helped them you know, deploy it and, and prototype it. Uh, they now have it online. They've had it online for a long time. It was kind of a train the trainer model. So they were gonna mm -hmm. be going into schools and they were gonna be uh, training folks within the schools to then bring it to the students and, and to the children. But since uh, since COVID hit now and everything has has you know pivoted to online, they can now bring it directly to the students as opposed to training the trainers. And so so that's you know helped them expand uh, expand that in that yeah, way. It shows you how clever they were. First of all, bravo that they came up with this idea, they put it through the class, but then after the class they kept going and they made it real. And this is a business that could be worth millions of dollars of unrestricted revenue to fund the mothership organization. And then COVID hits and that organization just goes, well, we already teach online. Let's, well, let's, let's switch to teaching the kids directly. 
Uh, we'll see if the schools want that. So they thought of it, they tested it, they deployed it, they got paid for it. Like, holy cow, in like 10 times faster than the stereotypical nonprofit would do, you know? So this can be done. And they're not led by Silicon Valley executives who decided they want to run a nonprofit in Western Mass. They're led by normal human beings from Western Mass that are just not afraid to try new uh, bold things. Well, is it my understanding if I, because I think I heard uh, some feedback from that course, it was my understanding, didn't they have that curriculum in place for themselves anyway? And they were using it and people were approaching them and saying, I'd like to use it too. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. If other people are asking me for this, can I potentially monetize this? That's exactly right. Okay. Well, and again, that's a great way, you know, reason to have an organization like yours to kind of come in, use you as a sounding board, understand that these things can be done. Because you could be have you could have something in your organization right now that that could be a you know a gold standard, and maybe you just don't realize it. And now, if there's a big community out there, there are. I mean, you mentioned you know the the, the populations they serve, but the, you know that goes into many different organizations can use that that education material mm-hmm. and directly to to the students themselves. So again, to your point, Paul, this is a this is a nonprofit that's here in Western Massachusetts. Um, they had something they, they excelled at in the, in the first place. And maybe be able to listen for other people that you work with. I'm sure you're running across other nonprofits that have other excellent ideas. You're just helping them filter it out um, in a different way. And I understand that now that, you know, we're in the midst of COVID and I know it's very, we don't exactly know where, they, where the ball's going to hop, so to speak. <laughs> um, you're, you've, you've kind of pivoted a little bit of what you're doing as well. Um, in your services. So you, you've introduced new stuff to, to help nonprofits manage through COVID. Kelly, you want to take it? No, you go. All right. So uh, yeah, we, first of all, you know, we were, when COVID hit our fifth cohort of uh, teams, we've been training nonprofits to figure out how to adapt and build new things. Their graduation was about to happen and we, we had to postpone it because <clears throat> remember, remember March that crazy <laughs> like every day you had to change everything because we were learning so much so we're like okay we're going to postpone it a month and then we'll do it in person <laughs> um and then then we realized oh okay this is not going away right away and we have to figure out how to run our graduation event online and you know because uh, you were there you know our graduation events are where you know large groups of funders people that write checks come together see venture capital style pitches from our nonprofit teams give them intense, lovingly critical feedback. And on some occasions have actually said, call me later. I want to talk about funding you. Um, And so we figured out how to move all of that to be 100% online. And then the feedback we got from our sharks, these uh, uh, executives that come in to give the feedback to the teams who've done it a lot. They're like, hey, this was more fun than when we did it in person. This This was better. So we, A, pivoted to move that online, and B, figured out uh, in many ways how to make it uh, better for the students. But then we had our sixth cohort. We had a nonprofit call us and say, we need to do this. We need to do it right now. We've got a grant that's expiring, so we, we have to run it now. So Kelly and I said, well, I guess we got to learn how to move all of our curriculum online. And that has now led us to, we have our traditional accelerator, which is what we were talking about before. And that is a 100% online program now. But we've also created a special program for nonprofits that need to take something that they're doing and that situation we're talking about before where, oh, I'm not allowed to go see the client in person and then I can't bill. Uh, So I know who my customer is. I know who the funder is. The problem is I can't do it the way I was doing. How do I 
rapidly prototype a new solution. So we're now being asked to go into nonprofits and teach them how to rapidly ideate and test new ideas. And so we come in and in a matter of weeks, help people try something radically different and see results and know that they've got something that can now, you know, be a cost-effective program once again. Well, we're going to continue our conversation with Paul Silver and Kelly Minton from Innovation Accelerator. I want to thank Munson Savings Banks for being our sponsor and helping us bring these stories to the community as we're all traveling on this uh, reality that is COVID-19 right now. Um, you know, and just to just to let folks know too. So, where can they learn more? I mean, they listen to the podcast right right now. Can they? What's your website if people want to just learn a little bit more about how their nonprofit might be able to benefit? So, if people go to unrestrictedrevenue.com. Tip being, we're helping nonprofits learn how to create unrestricted revenue that doesn't have strings attached. And now, listen, that's important. Be you know, so people that maybe aren't. Um, well-versed in the world of nonprofit. Uh, a lot of times it can get interesting. So, you know, people talk about revenue. They're like, well, can, you know, nonprofit can make revenue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be reinvested into the mission and things like that, but that's why the nonprofit exists to meet a mission, not necessarily to quote unquote, turn a profit, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have, you, you, you there might be excess funds. They have to be reinvested and looked at to work in the best way to serve the mission. But even so, some of the funding that you have is tied to, I just want to you know, circle back to something you said earlier, are tied to certain outcomes. And you can't just say, hey, listen, I got to pay rent right now. I've got this five grand sitting over here for this outreach program. So I'm going to take that and do this. It, it doesn't work that way. That money has to go towards meeting that mission. So even though I may have a pot of money and I have a really big financial concern right now, aka COVID, what's going on? You may not be able to touch those funds, and that can put, and that obviously affects the community that, that that nonprofit serves, and it has a bigger amplification effect because if that hits a lot of our services in the community, you know, we have a lot of people that are suffering right now. You know, you have one nonprofit that goes away, and let's say it's you know interchange, you know, it's it's kind of in sync with another one. Some helps you with clothing, another helps you with food, another helps you, you know, and then all of a sudden they start to go away. That's a domino effect that takes a long time to recover from. Absolutely. So, so it's good to, you know, like you said, come in, work with the nonprofit, teach them. And I got to assume sometimes, you know, not sometimes, you got to assume that when you're in there, you're seeing the talent of the people that, that are involved. And, you know, listen, these folks can do it. And sometimes it could just be a pep talk, helping them understand, like, just because you're in the world of nonprofit does not mean you can't be a champion out there trying to grow something. There's no shame in trying to grow something that can, you know, help more people, which, again, reinvesting into the mission and things like that. I mean, do you see that that when you go in that people like start to get this or is it or is it a struggle sometimes when you go, I need you to ideate and I need you to pivot and they go, what? what's all this stuff? Or is it like, wow, this is pretty cool. I want to do this more. And how do I keep this into my business model going forward? Yeah, so um, it's such a good point, Tom. Uh, so we have had um, the pleasure of working with so many nonprofits, and 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 that does happen. We walk in, and um, at, at first, people are a little trepidatious, but once they see the process, we have. Uh, you know, we have uh, lots of uh, rubrics and things that we use to keep uh, to keep a, a nice um, uh, system in place, so that we walk walk folks through. And um, as soon as they see the process and they really start to trust in the process, um, it, it is amazing to watch folks rise to the occasion. 
<laughs> their minds just open and 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 it's yeah it's fantastic uh and sometimes when we're working with folks the um you know part of this is public speaking part of it is getting out of the office and and talking with folks and interviewing people and and you know really engaging in a different way and sometimes the people who are the shyest and those who seem like they might not be, um, uh, you know, that outgoing, just blow us away by what they do. So that's good. I mean, like I said, there's, there's, you know, we've got a fair amount of the services here that are, you know, we do have a lot of nonprofits, but they serve. And listen, there's some repetition, but that could be said of any any community. There's always overlaps of services, but, you know, sometimes those overlaps, you know, serve to be a good, good net to catch people that might otherwise be lost. Um, so we need more people or we need these services to be prepared to meet. And I got to imagine as you're in these conversations with people, I mean, I'm, I help some nonprofits uh, as well. You know, I'm looking at funding sources for the upcoming year and I, I got question marks on a lot of the funding. Because the way the municipalities are right now, I don't know if that money is going to be there. I, you know, I keep hearing new, you know, news, new news stories. I mean, there was a nice uh, piece, and you know, this this airs in the future. But there was a piece I was listening to uh, recently that talked about how if the workplace changes, our downtowns uh, may be impacted, which ultimately goes back to tax bases for municipalities, which ultimately goes back to funding for nonprofit. So that, you know. The, <laughs> It, it, we don't know what's fully going to come out of COVID. So it stands to reason that part of a game plan should, should not only be obviously sustainability, but scalability. How can my nonprofit find the opportunity to grow here? Um, as opposed to just saying, well, I'm going to try to rely on this funding. And that's always an issue with nonprofits. You know, I've, I've, I've written, you know, grants for $75,000 and got them one year, $300,000 another year. And the next year, there's goose egg available. And you go, I got these big programs that now I've got to, I've got to your point earlier, Paul, I've got to turn them down because I don't, I can't support this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so do, do you, do, are you engaging with more nonprofits now that, that, that COVID is on? Or do you see that, you know, more and more are approaching you uh, and if they you know how can people learn you know really connect and understand how you can help them more Paul why don't you take that one sure uh, and first I just want to say that um, you know for any in normal times it's important to know the right people right and in the current times that's so much more important uh, and so we've been watching as the most adaptive nonprofits in the region have leveraged their networks. You know, I watch the really aggressive CEOs, not aggressive, the really adaptive CEOs call their peers at other organizations who one might consider a competitor, right? But instead they go, oh, we're all in this together right now. Like, we're not competing for the same government grant. None of us are getting any government grants because none of us can serve our clients. What are you doing to solve the problem? How are you sending your employees home? And so that's because they have that network and they could tap it. They could call their funder network. And if they have good relationships with funders, then they're in a much better position to get some bridge financing to help them figure out how to adapt. And one of the things that has come out of the program that Kelly and I have built, it's all about building, A, we teach the the innovators how to come up with innovative programs, but then we put them in the room in front of the people, the check writers, right? They can give them the advice and make the connections and possibly write checks. And as an unintended consequence, again, we did that to get 
these innovation ideas funded. But then when this crisis hit, we've heard about our teams calling up some of the foundations that they had built relationships with for the first time because of our training and saying, hey, this is how I've adapted my program. Would you fund that adaptation? They go, why wouldn't I do that? I've seen your team. I know they're really innovative. You've shown me that you are comfortable working in an uncomfortable situation and you give me a good business plan here. So why wouldn't I fund that? I'll figure out how. I can't do it through the normal grant route, but I can do it this way. I can do it that way, right? And they and they they come and tell us, like, hey, we didn't even know that foundation before this class. And then, then they called us and said, you know, I've heard what you're doing. How do I help? Uh, so it's about building your network. So sorry, that was a tangent, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about that because you mentioned it earlier. Um, so, uh, and I lost the thread of your question. I'm sorry. So please. That's okay. Me. We're coming up on 20 minutes, but, but I, I, I know you folks got a, got a, a, an obligation, but I guess, uh, you know, are more people reaching out to you nonprofits? Yeah. So the, the, the pain point is that the nonprofits have even more demand than they've had before. Um, but they have less funding uh, on average. There are certain nonprofits that have adapted very well to the environment and are thriving. Um, some of them are hiring like crazy while others are, are, are being forced to lay people off. Um, and so that just means that, you know, that it's like the ice age ending, right? The environment has changed dramatically. It's bad for the mastodons. It's, 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 it's good for the humans. We, we did really well when the ice age ended. Um, so we're noticing which nonprofits are well set and lucky that the, just the way they work, they're well set to adapt. But we found an unusually large amount of contact to us from especially trade associations like the Human Service Forum, the Employer Association Northeast, uh, NPC out in the Berkshires, uh, have really wanted to find ways to get their members to think about this in ways because their members are much more interested in how do I adapt fast than previously. Yeah. So we're seeing more in, intake and interest, and we're, we're sorry that that's the situation, but we're glad to have people that are uh, motivated, and uh, therefore it's easier to get people to innovate quickly when it's a priority. Normally our students are doing the innovation project as a very part-time thing while doing their main job. But now they're coming in like, nope, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I gotta fix this or I don't have a job in three months, you know, so please. And I, it's terrible, they're under that stress, but we're, we're, we're impressed by the results they're getting. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's not just the, the nonprofit sector, there's, there's uh, very little people that seems have gone untouched by COVID-19 in, in one way, shape or form. So it's and it's something that we're all dealing with. So I, I really want to, again, thank you both for coming on. I appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, one more time, if people want to learn more about Innovation Accelerator and how you can help their nonprofit, where can they, where can they learn more? If they go to unrestrictedrevenue.com, they can learn more about us and they can contact us there. And remember, we have two core programs. We have our standard accelerator to help you develop new programs. Our next cohort is starting in uh, less than two months. So uh, there are a limited number of grants available. Uh, so they go on a first come first serve basis to help cover the uh, part of the tuition. So they can learn more there, apply. And then if you need something fixed right now, you can contact us right away to uh, learn more about our COVID response program. Awesome. Paul Silva, Kelly Minton, uh, co-founders of the Innovation Accelerator. Thank you very much for coming on today and sharing the work that you're doing. And, and thanks a lot for supporting the nonprofits here in Western Massachusetts. Thank you, Tom. So much. Have a great day.